Breakups and divorce can be extremely painful, lonely, and confusing. But I believe your breakup can be your biggest breakthrough. I'm Lindsay Ellison, author, coach, speaker, and single mom of two awesome young men. Welcome to a podcast about finding joy and inner peace after a breakup. You may not be able to see what's on the other side yet, but I promise if you do the healing work, your life will transform in ways you never thought possible. Welcome to Unbreakable You. Every so often, I will share personal stories with you. And when I do that, my goal is not for you to hear me talk, but for you to find a piece of my story that is relatable to you. Today, I'd like to share with you a very personal story about a miracle and its message of forgiveness. And this may blow your mind as it did mine a couple of years ago. But first, I need to give you some contextual background for this to all make sense. Some of you have heard bits and pieces of this story in other episodes, but never have you heard the whole story until now. I'm going to take you back to March 5th, 1981, when I was six years old, living in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I just got home from school, but my mother hurried me back into the car to take me to ballet practice. We were running late, and she had a long list of things to do after she dropped me off. But because I was only six years old, I was oblivious to my mother's busyness, and while on the road... I asked her to turn up the radio when I heard the song, Games People Play, by the Allen's Parsons Project. And it was a song that was super popular back then. And it had this kind of weird, eerie synthesizer song to this day. Whenever I hear it, it just brings me back to that day. I wish I could play this song for you, but I don't really feel like playing the licensing fees for that. So if you're curious about the song, just look it up because it's kind of cool. But anyway, she turned up the music, but I begged her to turn it up even louder, which she did. And I sat behind her in the back seat and I was with my girlfriend. Uh, She was a neighbor of mine. She was my best friend at the time. And so the two of us sat behind her in the back seat, bouncing up and down to the music, unsecured without a seatbelt because we didn't wear seatbelts back then. And the music was so loud, my mother did not hear the ambulance that was coming from our left. And so while we were at a stoplight at a major intersection, the siren got louder and louder as it got closer. And when our light turned green, my mother drove through the intersection just as the ambulance sped through its red light without stopping. And we were T-boned as it crashed into us at about 60 miles per hour. And I was pretty injured, mostly with deep lacerations, but I amazingly survived without even a broken bone. I was pulled out of the car by first responders and was treated on the driveway of an abandoned gas station. But I never saw my mother again, and she died within minutes of the crash. As I got older, I learned that my mother suffered from bipolar depression, and a year before she died, she was admitted to a mental hospital for hearing voices telling her to drive off a bridge with her and my brother and I. 
Long story short, she was there for about a year, and the doctors called her a miracle patient as she made a full recovery due to clinical trial medications at the time that are commonly used today for bipolar. But when I found out about her mental health early into my own adulthood, I was so conflicted with this information because I have no memory of her being gone for a year, and to me, she was a perfect mom. But the more I learned about bipolar disorder, I always wondered, did she really recover? Did she intentionally speed into the intersection to end her life and mine? I've spent years Googling the accident, hoping archived records made their way to the internet, or I've looked for newspaper articles that might offer any explanation but to no avail. All I could do was wonder, and whenever I tried talking to my father about it, he was firm in his belief that she did not do it on purpose. But honestly, he didn't even like talking about it that much, so I really had to tread lightly with that conversation. So now, fast forward to 2020, where my life began to fall apart, and I wondered if I finally got bit by the bipolar bug. I had suicidal ideations, and while I never thought to harm my kids like my mother had, I began to just surrender to my assumed generational insanity. And that is when I decided to get help because I was convinced I was bipolar, absolutely convinced. And I just wanted a pill to make all of this go away. So for six weeks, I stayed at this awesome, awesome place in Arizona called The Meadows. And it's a world-renowned facility that specializes in trauma of all types. So within hours of me being there, I remember just saying, let me see a shrink. And I begged her to put me on some medication. And I thought, okay, just a few pills and this is going to fix everything. Well, it wasn't that easy. Turns out that I'm not bipolar, despite me wishing almost that I was. Of course, I re realized I had all this unresolved trauma that made my life dysfunctional and ultimately unmanageable. And once I started to unravel it, one of the big pieces that surprised me was that I was angry at my mother for abandoning me and for potentially doing it on purpose. And I don't think I had that as a conscious thought, but all of that work that I did there, I think, allowed me to bring forward some of those subconscious thoughts. And I did a lot of work on releasing my anger and hurt and Ultimately, I was able to fully be at peace with not knowing what happened to her. And I was really able to forgive her and finally put her to rest in my head. And it was just, um, it was just an amazing experience for me going through all of that. But here's where this story takes an unbelievable turn. <laughs> The day I returned home from the meadows, this is the very day I got back, I was checking my Facebook because I hadn't checked it in all these weeks that had gone by. I received a strange private Facebook message on my business page from a man I didn't know. And he wrote me a somewhat kind of like a cryptic message. And he asked, were you in a fatal car accident? 
on March 5th, 1981. You look like you could be that little girl. And if so, I have some information I'd like to share with you. I literally was frozen. I could not believe this message. And at first I thought it was, you know, a scam or someone had found out something about me. But then just the timing of it all was very strange. You know, I would receive this the day I returned from a place that helped me finally get over that tragic day. So I wrote him back saying that I was that little girl. And then he told me that he was the first police officer on the scene and he had something important to tell me. Well, I couldn't wait to talk to him. So I think the next day we agreed to speak on the phone and that's when he told me a version of what happened that day and it was the version I had been looking for for 40 years. 40 years had gone by. He said that he was fairly new to the police force back then. He was just in his 20s. And he had just come home from Vietnam a few years earlier. And he was a block away in his police car and heard this horrible, loud crash. And he was the first person to arrive on the scene. And he saw me and my friend in the back seat awake and knew my mother was way worse. So he pulled my mother out of the wrecked car and he knew, she knew she was going to die. And he told me, I've seen that look before too many times. And he was speaking about all the times in Vietnam where he saw his young brother's ready for death. And she could barely speak, and she asked him to come forward. And he leaned down to her, just inches from her face, to hear her final words. Please tell my husband and my children that I love them. Promise me. And of course, upon hearing this, I just burst into tears and felt this unbelievable feeling that my mother was with me and with him and bringing us both together. It felt like she was trying to reach me all this time, but couldn't until right now. And I asked him why it took me so long to tell me this and why do it at all? And his answers take the story to an even more unbelievable place. He told me that after the car accident, he decided to leave the police force because he had witnessed too much death at such a young age. He moved far away, but he always wondered what happened to me and whether I turned out okay. He then thought of his sister, who was roughly the same age as my mother, who was killed a few years before my mother. And he spoke about her a few times on this phone call, often commenting about the similarities between his sister and my mother and that they were the same age and their lives were taken because of a tragic happenstance. And I finally asked what happened to her and he said she was murdered by a serial killer and you may have heard of him. His name was Ted Bundy. And oddly, his sister was never on Ted Bundy's intended kill list, but he killed her by accident, thinking she was someone else he was following. 
And then that ambulance that hit us, that ambulance was rushing to an emergency that turned out to be a false alarm. So their deaths were happenstance. And that is when he told me every detail of that day where he talked with witnesses and he had taken photographs of the skid marks and written an accident report and interviewed the ambulance driver. And he emphatically reassured me that it was an accident and she did not do it on purpose. So it has taken me nearly two years to fully process and share the story because there are so many layers to this. It has been difficult to articulate the meaning behind each layer. And it is what I aim to do today. And I hope you can share this with me by listening. So the first thing here is forgiveness and the concept of forgiveness, the power of forgiveness. Because the moment I was able to accept not knowing the truth and forgive the people involved without having an apology and without having closure, that is precisely when the truth showed up. And I say this because I think that's such a powerful lesson here with everything that we're all going through. It's accepting without needing to know the truth or needing to have closure. And when we do that, suddenly we get that closure. And then there's this whole concept of this divine miracle that happened. And, you know, maybe it's something so cosmic, I'm really not sure I can fully explain it. But Bob, the police officer, the guy I was talking to, Bob, had just moved to a farmhouse and he was fixing it up room by room. And while he was painting his office, something urged him to go into his desk and find the folder that he has saved for 40 years. And that folder had the accident report and details of the investigation, as well as my father's business card. And so Bob was the man who ended up telling my father what happened to his wife. But my father was so grief-stricken, this was at the hospital, Bob decided not to tell him what my mother asked him to do, as he felt it would devastate my father even more. And then he went to find me, and he saw me being treated by doctors, and he decided to just let us be. And it's so weird, because when he described that moment to me, It was as if my entire experience of that day was validated. Hearing from a complete stranger describe a memory that only I have ever had alone by myself and hearing that described from a completely different lens, a different viewpoint of that room, it's weird. It made the day finally real because when you're that little and you remember things, you, you kind of question as you go older, is, did that really happen? And he couldn't believe the memories that I shared with him, like me being in an abandoned gas station, because I actually wondered if that was true. And he said, no, he couldn't believe that I remembered that. It's amazing, the stuff that we remember. But moving forward, he never stopped thinking about me 
or my father, and he always wondered how we turned out. And on that call, it was so strange. It just, he's a complete stranger. And I just told him my entire life. I told him all the intimate details of my life. And then I just happened to come back from a place that helped me deal with that day. And when I told him this, he began to cry and apologized for not saving my mother. And I told him there was nothing he could have done. And in that moment, I realized that Bob needed to forgive himself. And maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like my mother and his sister were with us that day, as if they were both telling us that their tragic deaths did not go in vain. And while their deaths originally broke us, because of them, Bob and I were able to forgive and heal our tragic past together. And he said to me, I could not leave this world without you knowing. I promised your mother I would, and for some strange reason, I always wondered if you were okay. And now that I know that you are, I can live my final years in peace. So if you have a tragic past like mine, or maybe you have years of pain that you have buried, I just want you to know that I'm living proof that when we heal, miracles happen. And I really believe that this entire story was divinely orchestrated that I had to go through that breakdown in order to have that breakthrough. And this is why I feel so called to share the story today, but also called to do the work that I've helped so many to figure out how to get those breakthroughs from their breakdowns. And I feel so connected to people's pain And so connected to people's tragic life because I know at this point from where I sit that all of those things, when they are healed, miracles do happen. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, make sure you sign up for your free subscription to Blessings of a Breakup where you will receive daily spiritual guidance on getting out of your pain and back to who you really are. Go to my website at lindsayellison.com.